everybody. Welcome to the final podcast of 2020. Uh, no other special announcements or anything. Just Happy New Year to everybody, and let's jump right into what's going on. First up, ROM hacker Vitor Valela has just announced a new project with kind of an interesting premise. He's calling it Project Fast ROM, and essentially it virtually replaces the ROM chip that are used on many Super Nintendo games. And the whole thought behind this is that very often, while as with all computer hardware related stuff, developers would have liked to use the fastest and best chips available, but realistically they needed to choose one that was cost effective, easy to manufacture, easy to get, etc. So instead of going through and doing extensive ROM patches like a lot of his SA1 work, one of the thoughts was, let's try to patch some of these games so that the FPGA implementation on the FX Pack Pro or whatever emulator you're using or even on the Mister would think that the ROM itself is running on a faster chip than it originally shipped with. And there's been some testing, and much like with the SA1 pack uh, or SA1 hacks, you get two things. Very often you get reduced slowdown and better performance, and sometimes you do have enemies that end up spawning more because the spawn limit was usually one of the uh, limitations of the speed of the original cartridges anyway. So it seems like, much like his work on the SA1 enhancements, both a really awesome thing that could add some more challenge to games, and I guess sometimes unnecessary or unwanted challenge, but Overall, it seems to be much easier to impl implement and really worth testing. So I, I think it's a very cool project, and it's one of those things that's uh, that's like simple brilliance, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, uh, I'm shocked no one else has tried this before, but I'm excited to try it out and see how it works uh, and see if there's any side effects to it other than you know the occasional spawning issue or something. But uh, anybody want more info that wants more info, please check out uh, both Alex's post and Vitor's Patreon page. And I'm pretty excited to see what he could apply this to and see what real-world performance gains you'd get from it. A new fan translation is now available for the game Bahamut Lagoon. I know I'm probably murdering the pronunciation of that. I'm so sorry to any fans of the game. Uh, but it's essentially a Squaresoft role-playing game released late in the life of the Super Nintendo that never got an official English translation. And while there's been other translations available, um, this one's really looking to, to do the best job possible and add some other tweaks and bug fixes as well. And it looks like it's in a stable place at the moment. Uh, it's being called an open beta, but um, it is feature complete and playable to completion. I would just expect that you might run across a bug or two or a you know, a, a mistranslated word or two here and there. But as always, I'm super excited about all translations, even of games that I've never even heard of before, because uh, I do really like making, uh, allowing people from different, uh, you know, different countries, different cultures, and people who speak different languages to finally be able to experience all of these games, some of which, you know, are pretty amazing and really should have been translated to as many languages as possible. So thanks very much to everybody working on this. And um, it seems once again, like it's pretty much solid, but we'll update when there's a final release version as well. Kristoff has just released a new firmware for the PS1 Digital that allows for manual adjustment of the horizontal and vertical alignment, and in most cases, just leaving it on auto should be perfectly fine. However, there's some games where certain title screens are a bit off, uh, and certain PAL games that might need adjusting, and while they'll continue to try to tweak the firmware to get everything on perfect full auto, which is a pretty monumental task considering how many games there are for the PlayStation, um, but the very, very few games that might have any alignment 
an issue is now you could just go in and make some adjustment to it to try to fix it. Uh, also, um, at the very least, if you have an issue, try setting it to manual and setting it to any number other than auto, and then it should be good enough to fix any issue you might stumble across. And once again, I think this is mostly in PAL games, uh, but you know, as always, I love options for all of these things. Even if they're options that you never end up using, at least you know it's there, um, you know, if you need it. So if you already own a PS1 Digital and you have this thing installed, I mean, I would do the firmware update just because it's as easy as pressing a button and, you know, updating it over Wi-Fi. But this certainly isn't one that you would need to run out and get unless you're specifically having an issue with the games. And as always, thanks so much to Christoph and Dan for continuing to support all of these awesome products and uh, coming up with new and, and neat ways to tweak them and fix them. Jan from Consoles for You is looking to document a fix for the few revisions of the PAL N64s that don't output S-Video. So uh, a bit of a backstory to this, I'll try to go through it real quickly just to, um, just to bring everybody up to speed, but all N64s output composite video. None of them output RGB without some kind of mod, but all of them could be RGB modded. Uh, the earlier revisions with a very simple mod that you just drop a chip over and solder some wires. Later revisions require a much, much more complicated mod. So that's pretty straightforward. As far as S-Video goes, all NTSC consoles output S-Video, and most PAL consoles do as well, but there are a few revisions that don't. At the moment, it seems to just be one or two uh, Pikachu and Fantastic versions and one of the French releases of the N64, but overall, people are pretty safe. However, it would be nice to know exactly what's going on and how to restore this just for the people that do want that feature. Uh, because while I'm still sticking to composite and S-Video are much closer on the N64 than any other console, people, some people do want that performance jump. And the same models of N64 that don't have S-Video are the ones that require the very hard, or at least compared to the other one, very complicated RGB mod. So it would make sense that if there's a relatively easier mod to get S-Video that people might want to do that instead. Um, at the moment, Jan's tested uh, the basic overview of it. So you have to uh, re or restore two missing traces from the original output of the chip, which, to be honest, doesn't make any sense why Nintendo didn't connect those at all. But anyway, um, and then the only, uh, the only weird part is there's one section of the board near the multi-out where you would need to scrape the green solder resist or the green mask off of the board. Um, you need to cut a couple of traces and then you need to put four components in their place. Now, as far as modding work goes, it's not that hard. However, there's two issues. First, uh, we're not 100% sure exactly which components are used for two of the places. The capacitors are pretty easy to find out. Um, and in testing, they were able to take a, you know, a parts motherboard and swap the components over. So they confirmed that this mod does definitely work. We just want to get exact correct part numbers to order for those. Um, so that leaves the second part of this. So first, we need, to, we need to determine exactly what those parts are. And I believe I remember seeing forum posts years ago about people that uh, found ones they thought were compatible, but I really would like a solid confirmation. And after that, you have two choices. You could manually do all this work and then restore all the components and have it essentially look like a completely stock console. 
or you would be able to hopefully get a board that you could just drop right over the bottom of the multi-out pins and connect two wires to the vias, therefore, thereby skipping the entire process of scraping off the green mask, um, cutting the traces, and soldering these four very small components on. It would essentially go from, you know, kind of complicated work, you know, definitely a little over beginner to something a beginner might be able to do. You'd still have to reconnect the traces on the chip, like I talked about before, either way. So I guess this is a, a polite request for anybody that might know the components here. Um, could you find out exactly which they are and share that info with us so that we could then, uh, you know, put that information out there. Um, and then I'm sure places like Console 5 and Consoles for You would sell restoration kits, but also possibly even make a board that you could drop over the multi-out pins and once again this isn't the biggest deal in the world if you wanted to go and get the craziest performance out of your n64 you could try and hunt down an ultra hdmi you could do an advanced rgb mod on this but those are a lot more complicated than this so i do absolutely see a bunch of people wanting to do this to their pal n64 is to add that capability um, so if you're a developer and familiar with the motherboard please uh, let one of us know help us out and uh we'll get that info out to people and people could start s video monitoring their uh you know incompatible pal n64s I just posted an interview with Audie Sorley, who's most recently been featured on some Digital Foundry videos, as well as some My Life and Gaming stuff, uh, and also has a pretty storied history in the video game world as well. And this was the first real conversation he and I had ever had. Uh, we'd spoken over Twitter DMs a couple times before, but uh, it was really awesome. I absolutely enjoyed talking to him. He had some very cool stories to share. Um, you know, doing these laid-back conversation-style podcasts are some of my favorite things involving retro RGB, and I really love all the awesome people that I've met. So if you were looking for a podcast to listen to, maybe while traveling this weekend or something, I guess you're not supposed to travel, so maybe while not traveling and doing anything this weekend, um, you know, throw this on. As always, they're available audio only and wherever uh, all of my videos are posted. Um, and, you know, I always remind everybody, watch or listen to these however is easy for you. While it's always nice to see YouTube numbers grow, at the end of the day, I just care about people getting content the way that they want to, not the way that, you know, not the way that the big companies tell you you're supposed to. So uh, if you want to hear from Audi, listen wherever is easiest for you, and we hope you enjoyed it. Some information has just started to leak out about the Easy Flash Omega Definitive Edition. And this is a ROM cart for the Game Boy Advance that has been around forever in many different forms. Uh, and this is the latest iteration of it. Uh, some of the newest features um, that are going to be implemented in this one are going to be things like a switch on the side that switches it between standard ROM cart mode and single-use mode, uh, which that would have the advantage of, first, you just boot right into a game as if it was an original cart. But since the console also thinks it's an original cart, you could do things like um, link them together on a Nintendo DS and trade Pokemon cards or something. Uh, so it's a pretty neat feature. It's also apparently got a rumble pack in it uh, and uses less battery than the original, uses less power draw than the original Easy Flash which means less battery life will be used while playing with it. So, um, you know, overall, it seems like a pretty cool upgrade. Uh, I remember my Easy Flash from a 
long, long time ago, and I it drove me crazy. And every time I say that, you know, fans of the uh, Easy Flash or people that own a current version always uh, not so politely remind me that the newest versions are very good, and uh, I definitely always try to acknowledge that. But it's always funny because for years it was just this clunky software that you got to load one ROM at a time and patch and link it together through a computer. And uh, after the EverDrives came out, then the people who work on these went back and updated it so you could just drop ROMs on an SD card like your standard ROM cart would. And this is supposedly the same way as well. So uh, if all of the information out there is true, it should be up for sale for around $100 fairly soon. Um, and there's still the original ones available for much cheaper, uh, as well as, of course, the EverDrive GBAs if you're interested in those. So if you were looking for a Game Boy Advance ROM cart, maybe check out this post and, and see which one fits your needs the best. There's a small firmware update for users of the EverDrive N8 and the N8 Pro. It looks like Crix has just implemented the latest version of the YM2413 core by Necronom 5, which is a chip that is, uh, generates audio. And a similar chip is what got the FM audio from the Sega Master System, for anybody familiar. And on the Famicom games, as far as I know, the only game, or the most popular game that used this audio was Lagrange Point. So if you're a fan of that game and you wanted a more accurate re uh, representation of the audio for it using your EverDrives, this is definitely uh, an update you'd want to do. If not, then, you know, if your EverDrive's already running in good shape, I guess I might just leave it be. But uh, either way, I say this every time and I mean it every time. Thank you very much to Crix as well as everybody else in the community for continuing to support all of these things, old and new, for as long as they have. Because, you know, Crix would absolutely be well within his right to say the original N8 is many years years old now i'm moving on to the other one but he doesn't he updates it with as much stuff as it could run and i think anybody that owns the original is super appreciative of that so uh check it out if you have an everdrive n8 and you're interested in that different or in that specific audio core Castlemania Games has just opened pre-orders on a pretty neat new controller from Retrobit. It's in about the same size and shape as a Super Nintendo controller. However, it's got analog sticks and extra buttons and back and connects to a receiver via 2.4 gig wireless, not Bluetooth, just RF. And it's compatible with PC, the Switch, and the original Super Nintendo. I guess it comes with two dongles, one USB and one SNES. So this is pretty interesting because there's other choices out there, but none quite like this one. 8BitDo uh, just released their Super Nintendo 2.4 RF wireless controller in July-ish. It's still in the box. I still even had, had have not had a chance to try it out. Um, but I've heard good things. I've heard it's a, of typical quality of their controllers. And also, 8BitDo has the SNES 30 Pro, which has analog sticks on it as well and connects via the Switch, uh, or via Bluetooth to the Switch. And that one's done pretty well for me, except a couple of games just randomly aren't compatible, like Virtua Racing. And the analog sticks are starting to wear down. They're starting to get that weird stickiness to them. That, uh, you know, anybody that owns that controller probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I've been looking to upgrade that, and this definitely seems to be an interesting choice. Of course, the first thing I'm always wondering in a scenario like this is what is the actual lag on these things and it's tricky with wireless because every environment you're in could affect it but i would love just a baseline you know locked in a basement measurement of something like this uh, and of course as soon as it comes out we should all probably get a few of these over to pork chop express
Express to update the lag testing sheet that he's been keeping. I actually have one of those lag test kits here that he was nice enough to make for me, and I've had zero time to try it, but it's something that's absolutely on my list because I, I really want to be able to help um, do it, you know perform those tests and, and really add some of that feedback to the sheet because that's been kind of an essential thing for me, both using the Mister as well as picking up wireless controllers and which ones do a good job and which ones you should just never use unless you're playing a turn-by-turn role-playing game, um, which, you know... That's a perfectly fine reason for it, by the way, or if you need one for testing or whatever else. But, you know, if you really want a super fast, super accurate controller, it's definitely something that you want data on. And I really appreciate that list. I'll try to I'll try to add that here in the description as well so people can know exactly what I'm talking about. But if not, if I forget or something, just go to Porkchop Express on Twitter. Mr. Add-ons, I think. I think it's at Mr. Add-ons. Uh, and I believe he's got it linked right there. It's a Google spreadsheet with all of the different info on it. It's absolutely been awesome. So the controller itself, uh, you know, it's fairly priced at about $30, I believe. Um, and it's expected to ship around May. I mean, with, with everything going on in the world, I would never hold a company to that, a company of any size, by the way. So, you know, let's say by spring, summer-ish, um, and for about $30. So uh, I'm definitely going to pick one up. I'm really curious to see how it performs. It comes in gray and black, so you could have uh, you know more of the retro-styled original if you'd like. One thing that I don't think they clarified was what happens if you try to use the analog sticks on Super Nintendo? I don't believe there were any analog controllers for the Super Nintendo. Not one that I've ever used. There probably was, uh, but could it be used like that? Does it just work like a D-pad? Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll get all that stuff clarified. But overall, it seems like a neat controller. And for 30 bucks, it's definitely worth trying for me because if it could perform as good or better than the current controller I have for the Switch that's wearing down, this will be my new Switch controller at the very least. Well, that's about it for this week. There were a few other posts that I hadn't gotten to yet that I'm going to hopefully catch up with this weekend, but nothing time sensitive, just kind of neat things that I wanted to share with everybody that I thought people might enjoy. So I'll try to get those all done for next week's podcast, but don't worry, at least as far as I know, there's no crazy pre-orders opening or anything going on uh, that I haven't written about yet. So, uh, you know, while it was a bit of a lighter week, I don't think we missed anything super important. Um, I've been spending a lot of my time trying to finish up a video that's coming out soon that's Let's just say it's going to be one of the most in-depth videos I've posted in a long time. I'm kind of interested to see how this one's going to go. But, you know, it's the end of the year. I just wanted to thank everybody for just sticking around and being awesome in 2020. It's obviously been a weird year, and uh, I've still... I just really appreciated being able to still do all this, uh, interact with everybody, get to talk with all the amazing retro gaming fans, as well as some of the cool developers and other just amazing people that I work with. And obviously, and especially thanks to everybody that even through all this stuff supports on services like Patreon and Floatplane, because without your support, uh, none of these things would have happened and uh, retro RGB might not have made it through 2020. So <laughs> thank you all very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you all next year. Have fun this weekend. Be safe. Do whatever you can to be safe. Enjoy yourself. And uh, we'll see you in 2020. One, one, 2021. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder how many times I'm going to do that. I wonder how many title cards the first month are going to still say 2020. Uh, we'll see.